Okay, guys, let's start as we mean to go on here. If, unless you've been living uh, under a rock for a wee while, you will know that uh, Paul Heckenbottom was relieved of his duties at Easter Road um, as the as the Hibs boss. Um, obviously, that's left us now with a, a question as to who is next in line to manage Hibs. Um, I've got to be honest enough to say I'm not really disappointed to see Paul Heckenbottom go. He um, was not the not the the manager that was going to take Hibs forward. Um, the football that he was playing was was really, really poor. The results weren't matching up. And to be quite honest with you, everybody, I think his attitude absolutely stank. Um, it, you know, to me, he really, I think he really underestimated the, the Hibs job and Scottish football. I think um, he really, he was quite generic in that sense that, you know, he said in an interview that he felt that uh, clubs outside the old firm were of uh, League One standard or the lower league, uh, sorry, the lower reaches of League One in England. And that is just that attitude straight away. Now, I didn't listen, I didn't hear this interview until unfortunately it was too late. If I'd heard this uh, interview at the time, I probably would have said a lot more about it because. To me, that attitude just absolutely stinks. If you can have such a a negative, of a, a negative opinion of the team that you're working for and the league that you're working in as well, you know you were never going to. He was never going to succeed with that, unfortunately. And I mean, I really believe that. He, you know, he is a good coach. Is he a manager? Probably not. He probably will find another job again, but it probably will be in League 1, in League 2 in England. I don't think a Scottish club will touch him again. As I say, I just think his attitude was absolutely stinking. Um, you know, he, he came across as, to me anyway, I think he came across as quite arrogant in the sense that, you know, it's his way or no way kind of thing. And, you know, in a lot of ways, having that attitude where, you know, your manager says it's it's my way or no way, yeah, in a lot of ways, that's not the worst attitude to have. But when you're turning turning that on the club supporters as well, saying that, you know, for example, when he says in the draw against St. Johnston, you know, the, the fans' nervousness and anxiety was transmitting onto the players. Well, of course that's going to happen. Of course that the, the, the crowd are always going to be negative. You know, you were winning 2-1 were winning going into the last five minutes of play and then end up conceding with the last kick of the ball. We had every right to be a bit nervous because, unfortunately, Hibs have got a really soft centre at the minute. You know, as has been quite evident with a lot of matches this season. Um, I mean, I just, I, I, I don't understand what he thought he was going to achieve by by saying that. And I mean, if I'm being wholeheartedly honest, the attitude, sorry, not the attitude, eh, the the, what's the word I'm trying to say, the, the atmosphere amongst the fans. I think I actually changed as well. Like, I would go as far as to say in the last maybe five, maybe pushing maybe six years, the attitude amongst the fans has been, you know, quite the same in the sense that everybody's looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, of course you want to be playing nice, fast, free-flowing football, but unfortunately, sometimes that's not always going to be the case. But the, the main goal is to higher up the league the, the, like when we were in the championship the, the main goal was to win the championship or to be promoted when we were in the top flight 
the 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 main goal is to be minimum in the top six, pushing towards the top four. You know, doing well in the cup competitions. You know that that's just the the minimum requirements when it comes to supporting a team like Habs, and that is that is how. I'm not saying that's the kind of attitude that every manager should go into. Of course, you want your manager to kind of aim higher. I don't think there's any problem with aiming higher. But I think you have to be realistic in the sense that sometimes, most of the time probably, that isn't going to happen. You know, unfortunately, we we are in a division where um, Rangers and Celtic are going to run supreme. Their budgets will dwarf anything that we ever have. Now... When it comes to, to the likes of budgets, I'm not saying having a big budget automatically gets, gets you success, but you have to go away and find, for example, the right players, the right coaching staff. You have to be able to gel these players together. Obviously, that all stems for the manager as well, but you know, we have, I think, as I say, you have to be realistic in a lot of ways that knowing that, yeah, for all the things that you could do right at your football club, there's a good chance that. Rangers and Celtic will be able to go away and, for example, offer your player a higher wage. You, They will hire your player a bigger wage to go and sit on their bench. It's the way football is. Uh, you know, it's the way Scottish football is. You know, it was, it was very refreshing as a Hibs supporter to see Hibs standing quite firm with the likes of John McGinn. Hibs saying to Celtic, you know, if you want him, you have to stump up. Celtic obviously didn't do that. And he went down to Aston Villa and is absolutely bossing it in the Premier League. I don't think there's any doubt in that. If any, I mean, I remember having a conversation with my, my, my two friends, my two friends who are Rangers fans. And, you know, I'd said at the time, you know, I was like, John McGinn, he's going to be, this is when he first signed for Hibs. I said, John McGinn is going to be an absolute star. He's going to be an absolute top, top, top player. And I always remember one of them saying to me, no, you're only saying that because you're a Hibs supporter. I said no. I says I, I believe that as a as a football man, I believe that. Now, obviously, as I say, he's when he was coming up playing for Hubs, everything like that. The, as the seasons went on at Hubs, he just he was developing, developing, got put into the Scotland squad, done really well there. Again, went to Aston Villa, as boss in the Premier League. And my pal, to be fair, I'm actually going in touch with me and says you were right about what you said about John McGinn. He is good. He is a top top player, and I mean. It was really refreshing for Hub's point of view to see that the club actually stood firm and said no, it's not happening. They've done the same thing with Jason Cummins as well. Uh, and they've done the same thing with, uh, with Scott Allen as well. When it, Obviously when he handed in a transfer request um, the first season, or sorry, the second season in the Championship. Now granted, I know Scott Allen's came back to Hibs and he came back with open arms, it had to be said, because he knew they had a lot of making up to do. Um, but, you know, we stood firm with a lot of these guys and just said, no, it's not happening. And it was, you know, really, really refreshing to see that. And I mean, I'm glad in a lot of ways that that we done that. Yes, unfortunately, we lost out in the end because we couldn't... Like for it, I'm going back to John McGinn here, but we could not have offered John McGinn the money that Aston Villa could. Now Aston Villa are a massive club; they are a massive club, and they have the 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 trophy the trophy cabinet to back up one-time champions of Europe. Do you know what I mean? I mean, they are a big club, right? And I mean, when unfortunately it talks about 
where obviously Hibs are concerned, you know, the manager who is going to come in is going to have to realise that he's going to have to be very shrewd with the budget that he's got. He's going to have to then go away and really work at what he's got as well. I mean, where the rest of the season goes, I really don't know. I really, really hope that we push on and just aim to be as high up the table as we can. If we could get a good wee run in the Scottish Cup going as well, that would be fantastic. I mean, the names that have been linked to Hibs just now, the likes say Henrik Larsson, Jack Ross, um, Daniel Stendhal, uh, Jim Majilton. You know, there's been a lot of names linked to it. Um, I mean, I'm being honest. I don't know who I would want in charge at Hibs just now. I know a lot of people are, are, are apparently it's meant to be set that Jack. Well, it's meant to be set in stone that Jack Ross is is going to be the next Hibs manager. I don't know how I feel about that because, as much as you look at his stats for when he was at Sunderland, you know his stats for at Sunderland weren't actually that bad. He only lost ten games in eighty matches, which is really good. Obviously, he had a good good win rate there, but a lot of the matches were draws. And that is, at this moment in time, what we cannot afford. We cannot afford draws. Draws are no good to us. We need wins. We need to be pushing up the table. So, I mean, but it's worth remembering that Jack Ross almost got Sunderland promoted in his first attempt. You know, he lost it in the the, the playoff final with a 96th minute winner by Charlton. You know, if that hadn't gone in, would they have gone on to win the match? We don't know. You know, I mean, I th- I felt at the time it was very harsh that he got sacked. Um, my attitude hasn't changed in that sense. I d- I do still think it was very harsh, but I mean, I don't know. I just don't know where we would where um where we're gonna go from here. I don't know who the next gaffer will be. I mean, I hope that the club take their time and getting an appointment. And I felt with when they hired Paul Heckenbottom, I don't think they were as careful as what they could have been. I think they were kind of... I know for a fact that a lot of the a lot of fans at the time were getting quite impatient at the fact that we hadn't had a manager or that we didn't have a manager, I beg your pardon. Uh, you know, and a lot of the fans I know were getting on the, the, the club's case. So we now, in my opinion, have to be re- really patient. I would really want Hibs to take their time and get the appointment right rather than rush it through and the next thing you know, next year we're in the exact same position as what we were before. I mean, you know, nine months Paul Heckenbottom was in charge. That's pretty poor when you think about it. I mean, I know obviously it didn't, it didn't work. You know, the gamble that Hibs took didn't work. Um, and you know, as I say, I mean, it's it's difficult to obviously understand where things kind of went wrong. I, I'm of the opinion that when um they let two holding midfielders go, and Marvin Bartley and Mark Mulligan, they should have been the the, the priority. You know, you had player loan players and like Sir Stefano Mionga and Mark McNulty, who I know were high priority on the list and who really wanted to come back to Hibs and who were wanted, but again, it came down to finance that we couldn't have them. You know, these guys weren't replaced in that team for the, the, the season before. They weren't replaced and, you know, it, it showed it showed how much they weren't 
you know, they weren't replacing, how much they were missed. So, yeah, I mean, it is going to be, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks at Habs, and it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks to see who we get in charge and who's going to be the next manager. Okay, guys, I'm going to stop speaking about Hibs for a minute. I'm going to talk about the Europa League last night. It was a great night for the Scottish clubs and the Europa League last night. Celtic and Rangers both won in um, big matches. You know, Rangers beating Porto and Celtic beating Lazio. You know, they are two massive results. Uh, listen, I don't, I don't pretend at the end of the day to dislike the old firm. I'm the same as any other non-old firm fan in Scotland. Um, I dislike the old firm quite a lot. I think that's fair to say. But equally, on the big the big picture here is if they do well, Scotland's coefficiency goes up and then that's more opportunity for clubs outside the old firm to go and have a, a good stab at European competition. I mean, I'm being honest enough to say that the whole thing for me is if you're going to... I'm not, I, don't, I don't expect people to support... They're, uh, what am I trying to say here I don't expect people to go away and support the old firm when it comes to European competition, I don't expect that for people but you know, as I've already said and I said it on Facebook last night, you know, love them or hate them, it was two cracking great results for them um, I think the Lazio match for Celtic was just unbelievable you know, away from home um, there was a lot of um, a lot of discussion uh, about what happened to the supporters before the match um, and obviously that maybe inspired the players on. You know, I can't really speak for the Rangers match. I didn't watch the Rangers match as as, as much as what I would have liked. But, I mean, it is, again, you know, the, it is fantastic to see two Scottish clubs doing well in European football. And to be honest, long may it continue. I really do think that. I mean, long may it continue. Um as I say, I don't want it. To, I don't want to see teams, for example, potentially going away and winning the Europa League. You know, maybe that is just really contradictory of me as to what I've just said. But I do still want to see Scottish teams doing well, with the exception of Hearts. They are the only team that I didn't want to see doing well, to be wholeheartedly honest. But anyway, I'll I'll just leave it there and saying that it was a good result uh, for Scottish teams. Okay, that brings me on to um, a wee side a wee side note here. What I was speaking about um, Var and Andre Gomez's um, leg break there um, in the Tottenham and Everton game there last Sunday. First things first, my heart goes out to Andre Gomez. I wish him a I really wish him a speedy recovery because the the injury that he sustained was absolutely horrific. I don't think there's any getting away for that. Um, my heart also goes out to Hyunmin Song because anybody who watches football, not necessarily watching the Premier League, but just anybody who watches football appreciates a player like Hyunmin Song because the guy is just so, he's so happy, he's so appreciative of being a football player, he's so appreciative of the fact that yes, he is in a, a privileged position, I don't think there's any getting away from that. He's a hard worker, he's always smiling and to see him at the side of the pitch in tears, I mean, he could, you know, you could just, I, I, I mean, my heart was breaking watching that. 
um, because as much as yes, his his tackle led to the collision with Serge Aurier, leading to Andre Gomez's leg break, he was the one who got sent off. Obviously, Hunman Son was the one who got sent off. It probably wasn't a red card. I think obviously the referee. I'm not going to say the referee done the right thing by sending him off because I don't believe that he did. I can understand why he sent sent him off once he's seen the severity of the challenge. Um, obviously, again, it was this, the collision with Serge Aurier that, that really knackered him. Um, and, I mean, you've seen the, the pictures and the stills of his leg after that. I mean, it was just, it was horrific. It was absolutely horrific. Um, I mean, VAR on that game and at that weekend, again, just... There was so much controversy surrounding VAR. And to be quite honest with you, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of watching like Match of the Day on a Saturday or on a Sunday and the first thing people talk about is VAR, VAR. And the next thing you know, I mean, I understand why VAR was brought into the game because obviously it was there to help referees get decisions right. I completely... 1 million percent agree with the fact that the referees needed a wee bit of help, right? But what I disagree with is the way that it's being done, especially in um, in England just now. You know, this whole thing, you know, about VR, VR won't intervene unless there's been a clear and obvious error uh, by the referee, which is fair enough. In theory, that should work, but unfortunately... You know, I I just I I just didn't see it working in the Premier League just now, and the fact that they don't have the 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 screens or sorry they do have the screens on the side of the pitch, but the referee doesn't doesn't go and look at them. He's quite happy to be overruled in a lot of ways by the referee who's at Stockley Park, which for a lot of matches is fifty sixty however many miles away. I don't really get that. I don't understand that. I don't understand that um, that way doing things. I mean, personally speaking, if it were me and if I were head of the 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 committee that that does VAR, personally speaking, I mean, if you're going to have VAR every single match, okay, that's obviously not going to help anybody because obviously, yeah. See now, even I, even I'm getting myself tied up in knots here, trying to think of how I can say this. I don't think VAR should be used every single match. If it's going to get to a point where they're using it for televised matches, fine, fair enough, because then obviously you'll have the cameras there to obviously help. But to, as I say, to have a referee at Stockley Park, which is I don't know how many miles away for any football ground, I think it's quite daft to be honest. This whole thing, I mean, you look at the instant with Roberto Firmino uh, the other the other day there against Aston Villa and it turns around and said that his armpit's offside. I mean, come on. Come on. His armpit's offside. This is the kind of thing that I really, I'd really dislike about VAR. I understand about having letter of the law. That's fine. But equally, on top of that... I was always taught that when you are a when you are in a match, nine times out of ten, the benefit of the doubt should go to the striker. I.e., if that was a non-VAR decision, 
Roberto Firmino would have got the benefit of the doubt and he would have been classed as onside. I believe that is the way forward. Take, Give the human element back to the referees. Allow them to make a mistake. Because the way that it is, it's just going to be... I mean, I really feel for referees just now because I think the referees are scared to make decisions. Personally speaking as well, what I, what you, what could happen as well is why do they not bring in rugby referees? Referees who are well-seasoned and making TMO decisions to actually, you know, to make sure that the, re- like the referee can actually have it if he's no sure of a decision, you know, blow up and say, can I have a replay on such and such a decision? Can I have this? What would you, right, if I give this, are you happy for me to do that? You know what I mean? I, I just, I think it would benefit, the game would benefit for inviting other referees in to actually help out. Again, it's looking at the bigger picture. But, again, I mean, we're just, we're just going to have to wait and see... Um, what happens on that? But again, I, I think it's I think it's daft and I think it's silly. Okay, that brings me on to again my wee side notes that I said at the start of the program. I want to speak about the the situation surrounding the the fans rep um, at Hibs just now. Unfortunately, having to tender a resignation because of the abuse that she was receiving by um, supporters. First and foremost, um, this is it's the the fans rep Tracy Smith. What a star she is. I mean, I've all I've I've met Tracy a few times. A very 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 nice person, very very well informed. Loves the team, loves Hubs, which is great. But again, the abuse that she put has put up with as fans rep, that's it borders on the it borders on the disgusting. To be quite honest, uh, it really borders on the disgusting. Uh, I think that fans who are gone away and messaging her and it's messaging her on things like Facebook Ken Facebook and I know Tracy had spoke about the mess because this is the only reason I know this is because I myself went I was nominated to be the fans rep by a fellow supporter so it was something that I was very interested in at the time um but obviously I was told I, I was kind of told of the abuse that that the fans reps take and to be quite honest it put me off and I was told that by I was told that by Tracy you know you have to have thick skin for that um so obviously you know Tracy does the best or done the best job that she could for Hubs and I, I mean for anybody who appreciates that appreciates her and for what she done um for the team and but as I say that the abuse that she was receiving was just I mean it's disgusting do you know what I mean? I mean, if you can't go to a football match these days, especially when it's your own, without abusing them, there's something really, really wrong. And I'm sorry, everybody can blame the situation that the team is in just now for, oh, I only said that because I'm so annoyed at the way, the way that the team's performing. That's not Tracy's fault. You know, I, I'm quite lucky in a lot of ways as well at the fact that I've received, not abuse, but, you know, I, I've received comments aimed at me on the channel that that I've got again talking about my opinions on Hibs and the way that matches have gone, but that's not to say that people who are coming at me aren't sharing a valid opinion. You know, I mean, I've got my opinions; they've got theirs. That's fine. I will have a conversation with anybody where opinions are concerned. That's not a problem. But 
when it turns personal and when it turns abusive, that's when it just it loses purpose for me. I can have a I can have conversations with people without calling them names. I can have conversations with folk about anything without being personal towards them. But as I say, when you you've got that element of your support, I mean, questions really need to be asked. Supporters, and I really hope these people who have made Tracy do this are really having a wee look in the mirror and saying, you know, you know, kind of person at the end of the day am I? Because if I had no, like this is for me, if I was in the position where I had made somebody quit their job because of the abuse I was giving them, I'd be ashamed. I'd be absolutely ashamed, and I hope these people are ashamed, whoever they are. I really hope these people are ashamed at the fact that Hibs have now lost out on a, a great, great person who uh, was responsible for a lot of good things at the t- a lot of good things at the club. So it's really, really disappointing at the fact that she's done that. But okay, guys, that brings me on to my last subject of today, and obviously, again, with the turmoil that's surrounding Hibs just now, it was quite reassuring to see that the new majority shareholder. Sorry, I've got to start that bit again. The new majority shareholder, Ron Gordon, made an appearance and obviously outlined how he felt things were going at the club. Uh, he spoke about the, the situation regarding Paul Heckenbottom and Robbie Stockdale. It was good to get his um, input on that. Um, and obviously the fact that he spoke quite highly of the two guys, unfortunately, it just was football and it was just... a. a results driven thing okay that kind of makes me feel a wee bit better in the sense that he knows what football is about and it's not about you know he he knows what football is about do you know what I mean and he's treating the football club like a football club and not like a business which is good Um, but obviously he spoke about quite a lot about the new commercial aspects that Hibs are undertaking obviously to to improve match day uh, experiences at Hibs which to be honest I've heard a lot of people kind of say, well, what is he talking about this for? What's he talking about this for? At the end of the day, you want your you want your match day experience to be to be really good. Regardless whether you're a season ticket holder, away fan, whatever it is, you want your match day experience to be as good as possible. And that is something that I think a lot of people take for granted the match day experience because, you know, for example, when I when I started going to matches, and bear in mind, I've been a hub season ticket holder for 27 years, right? And I'm only 31, so, you know, take take that with what you want. But, I mean, the match day experience has always been a big thing for me. You know, I always wake up on a Saturday and I'm gunning to go, you know, because it's 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 football day. Do you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, if I'm going into a match, if I'm going to a match and things are happening at my stadium that... I'm not to my liking, then of course I've got the right to to voice that opinion, and whether or not it's for I don't know, I I'll, I'll take one that somebody shot at one of the fan reps uh, at working together meeting where they says, oh it's the state of the pies and things like that, and I mean, okay that's not great, you know you obviously you you want everything about your match experience to be good, again obviously you don't want still pie, but um I you know. I can understand completely where, where Ron Gordon's coming from talking about improving the match day experience, looking at commercial avenues of what Hibs can actually do. 
and obviously trying to explore a new audience where Hibs are concerned as well because obviously, you know, you do want to build up that brand, you do want to build up the name, you do want to bring in a wee bit more commercial commercial revenue as well. And I appreciate the fact that he says that any revenue that the club make will be reinvested in the play, in the playing squad. That is, to me, quite positive. You know, I think a lot of people need to realise that although, yes, this guy is, you know, he is a wealthy man, you know, but Sir Tom Farmer was a wealthy man and Sir Tom Farmer didn't have Hibs gone anywhere near, like, they were living within their means. And that was always something that I'd heard at Hibs. Hibs will live within their means. I don't know whether or not Ron Gordon has the same attitude in terms of that he's going to have to spend money, he's going to have to speculate to accumulate. I don't know. I hope that's the case because I would much rather my team go and and really bite the bullet and put their money where their mouth is and really reinvest in a, a top striker or a top midfielder or whatever you know, I really want them to actually go and 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 show them, show people that they mean business. Yeah, of course, you, you, you're going to have to deal with the shorthand if it doesn't work out, but it's one of these things. You know, as I say, you have to speculate to accumulate. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult just now because obviously you want Hibs to be, I know when, we were told that the takeover was complete and everybody kind of had that, you know, that initial giggle where, you know, they were saying, oh, you know, we're in the money now sort of thing. And in a lot of ways, when you see Ron Gordon and when you see who he is and how much money he actually has, of course you're going to sit there and go, by the way, we don't have a winner here. You know, this guy could probably go and spend millions upon millions of pounds with the, the, the change behind his sofa. You know what I mean? It's one of these things, unfortunately, but it's only been a couple of months since he took over. If we are still talking about things like this in the next five to six years, then I'll be a little bit worried. But I mean, it's it's not even been. I don't. I. It's not even been. I don't even think it's been six months since he took over. I could be wrong in that stat. I don't know. But as I say, if we're still talking about this thing after five, six, seven, eight years, then okay, then I'm worried. We're not doing that just now. I mean, I what is as I've already said, I want Hibs to take their time and get the next managerial appointment ready, back the manager with however many funds that he needs. I'm not talking about giving him a blank checkbook and just telling him to run wild, but just actually go and just spend the money that he feels is acceptable and actually, you know, build a team that we can be proud of. That is obviously the hopes that Ron Gordon has. That's obviously the hopes that we as supporters have as well. Will it work? I don't know. Will we, you know, will it carry on? I don't know. But anyway, guys, I'm going to leave it there because I have been rambling now for over half an hour. Uh, I really do hope you've enjoyed listening to my sweet and angelic voice, as always. Uh, If you have uh, liked this podcast, please, by all means, Give it a listen, share it away, and just see how we got on for there. Look out for me on YouTube, it's MurrayMinter75. Look out for me on Instagram as well, it's MurrayMinter75. Look out for me on Twitter, it's at Murray1875. And if you want to find me on Facebook, look for Stephen Murray. But until next time, guys, enjoy your working week and enjoy your working week. Enjoy your weekend. I beg your pardon. Enjoy your weekend, and uh, I shall see you next time for more Murray's Minutes. 
Hi everybody, how you all doing today? It's Murray Minutes 75 bringing you another episode of Murray's Minutes. In this episode we will talk about the situation developing over at Easter Road just now as the club will look for another new boss. Uh, I'm going to have a quick discussion about the Europa League this week as it was a good week for the Scottish clubs and European competition. I'm going to have a wee discussion about uh, my opinions again on VAR and um, I'm going to have a wee conversation about Andre Gomez's horrific leg break as well. A little side note as well I want to speak about um, the situation that happened with the Hibs fan rep this week unfortunately having to tender her resignation because of the abuse she was receiving from fans and I'm going to give my opinion on the plans laid out by Ron Gordon but that is all coming up in this episode guys please hang around to the end and let's see if your opinions match mine's